Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turning your Bible to John chapter 4. Well, we just finished our series entitled The Bible, in which we looked at uh, several different Bible stories that I loved growing up. And uh, we had a good time doing that and uh, just talking through some of those things and really discovering that maybe the way we heard that story as a child or maybe you didn't grow up in church, maybe the way you heard that story previously, uh, that it was much different than what you knew it as. Well, today we're starting a new series entitled Vertical, in which we're going to begin to talk about the power of worship, the power of worship and praise. And uh, I just felt in my spirit that we should talk about that. And, uh, and see what happens over the next several weeks uh, with our worship. And uh, especially excited about tonight as we come back together for our first uh, Sunday gathering. And if you haven't been and experienced that yet, come on out. It's just a time to worship God, wait on the Lord, and, and uh, really expect the gifts of the Spirit as seen in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, to show up. Last time was powerful, and I believe that this one will be uh, as well. As we begin our series today entitled Vertical, uh, really what I want to begin to talk about is living our life in a vertical way rather than a horizontal way. Uh, living our life focused on Him rather than focused on the here and now. Rather than focused on the obstacles maybe we face, a job, uh, some struggles we might going, be going through, or even maybe life is great. Uh, that you've just been focused on the here and now. But I want to begin to, uh, through Scripture, redirect our focus on Him so that we can begin to live our life uh, in, in, in a vertical way rather than a horizontal way. I could put it this way, that we begin to live our life eternally rather than externally. And the reality is, is most of us don't live our life eternally. We don't live our life focused on, on, on what comes after. We don't live our life focused on heaven. We don't live our life focused on God. We bring God into our life, but we don't necessarily focus on God with our life. And so what happens is we begin to live horizontally. And when we begin to live horizontally, uh, there's a lot of obstacles that can be in the way. I want to read you this opening statement for our series, and it reads this, Most of us live horizontally as we look straight ahead. We plan our finances, family, and future based on what we see and feel. Others of us put our trust in money, relationships, or even our own talents. Circumstances and the simple frustrations of life can instantly take these things from us and create a fog that makes it hard to choose what is best for our lives. Horizontal living is a gamble at best. God has designed us to live vertically because he does not want us to gamble with our life and the decisions that we make. Living a life of complete dependence and trust in God is living a life of worship where our eyes are not looking to the horizon but are looking up vertically towards him. And that's why I believe the Bible says in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, that we got to lift up our eyes to the hills. From whence comes our help? Our help comes from the Lord. Lift up our eyes. What is that? That's vertical. Lift up our eyes and begin to see God. And as we begin to focus vertically, come on, the things horizontally begin to take care of 
themselves. John chapter 4, going to read you the first 26 verses of this chapter. And as we read it, uh, the first uh, portion of it, you might be perplexed and wonder, what does this have to do with worship? We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Verse 1, chapter 4, the book of John. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that, that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside a well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that, that, that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Back in these days, it was not common, nor was it acceptable for uh, the Jews to be associating with the Samaritans. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become to him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband, and come here. And now the conversation gets really weird. Okay? This might be one of the strangest conversations I see Jesus have in the Bible. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right. In saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Wow. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now listen to the transition here. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Now I don't know if she's trying to change the subject. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but if I've been married five times and now I'm shacked up with somebody that I'm not even married to and somebody's like, you, I'm changing the subject. Okay. I don't know if she just, this is a strange conversation. Hmm. 
Jesus said to her, verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you uh, do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things, kind of like you just did about me. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would take this strange conversation that we see in the text today, and God, you would, you would cause it to make sense to us here in this hour, in this time, in this season of our life. God, I pray that you would use me as that voice piece and that, God, people would leave here today challenged, encouraged, and more in love with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Amen. God wants us to live our life vertically, not horizontally. God wants us to begin to get our focus on him in every single area, aspect, way of our life. Because when we do that, ladies and gentlemen, life really does make more sense. I don't know about you, but I found myself at times focusing on the external, trying to make sense of things, trying to figure things out, trying to figure out how to be a better parent to my children, trying to figure out how to be a better husband to my wife, trying to figure out how to be a better pastor to this church, trying to do all these things. But when I focus on all the external things, I begin to take my focus on off him and just put it on the here and the now. Uh, my wife and I have lived down south now for, for quite some time, but we came from Washington State. Has anybody ever been to Washington State, right? Yeah, you see the sun for three days a year, come on, and the rest is just cloud and rains, okay? And so that's where I came from, and so when we first moved down here uh, to San Diego in 1999, uh, it felt like an absolute vacation for like the first six months, I mean, every morning I woke up, there was the sun. It was like, it was crazy, right? There was sun in the morning. I mean, you're lucky to see the sun at all during the day in Washington, let alone in the morning. And then we would look out our window and there'd be palm trees. And it just was like, and then we had this, you know, we're in an apartment complex. There was a pool out there. And man, it was really hard to get, you know, to work and focus. I just felt like I was on a vacation, okay? But I remember one of the first trips that, that I took back to Washington after my first daughter was born. And uh, one of the first trips we took back there, she was old enough to communicate now. Now, if you've ever been to the Northwest, the Northwest is absolutely gorgeous when the sun is shining, okay? I mean, there are lakes, there are rivers, there are mountains, and, and there's the Puget Sound, and you, and, and you just fly in, and you can see it all, and you look down, and it's absolutely majestic. I honestly think that the Northwest, when the sun is shining, those three days a year, that it is the most beautiful place. I mean, it's incredible, okay? But something happens as you begin to land. As you begin to land, all of a sudden, that view is completely gone, because they have these things called trees. 
Now, I know that you think we have trees in San Diego. Those are not trees. Those are overgrown bushes, okay? If you want to see trees, you got to go to the Northwest. Go to the Puget Sound. I mean, they have trees. So now you land and you get on the freeway. And you know how you can drive on the freeway here and you can just see unless there's a large bush, right? You can just see forever and you know where you're going. You can look off in the horizon. If you've ever been to the Northwest, you've ever been to Washington, when you're on a freeway, you can't see nothing. It is just really tall green trees, okay? And I remember we flew in and my daughter was looking out and looking at everything and, oh, daddy, it's so pretty. and Oh, daddy, it's awesome, you know, and really excited to be there. And I'll never forget, we, we got in a car and we're driving down the freeway and my daughter keeps looking out the window and goes, daddy, what are those? And I'm looking, I'm like, what? Daddy, what are those? And I'm like, what is she talking about, Kate? Dad, I said, babe, what are you talking about? She goes, those really tall green things, what are those? <laughs> Baby, those are trees. <laughs> She's like, wow. But down here, you couldn't see all the beauty that was possessed. Why? Because there was all these obstacles in the way. I mean, you can't see this way. You can't see that way. If there's a turn, you don't even know where the, where the freeway's going. You cannot see. But when you're up here, you can begin to see everything. And you can begin to take in all the beauty that is out there. Ladies and gentlemen, life is a lot like that. When we are down here and we begin to focus like this, we begin to lose out on the beauty of life. We begin to lose out on everything that God has for us and intends for us to accomplish and intends for us to do. Why? Because we are living horizontally and our horizon is blocked by obstacles. And so we can't see all the great things that God wants us to accomplish and God wants us to do. But if we begin to focus vertically and we begin to lay hold of him, we begin to get elevated. Why? Because God is up there and he sees everything. And when we begin to connect with him, we can now begin to see things a little bit differently. This is the way that God has intended you and I to live. Now, if you've, if you've lived a little bit of life and you're sitting here today, you've probably been through this process before. Where you focus here and it, and it builds up with frustration because you don't have those answers. Well, I want to begin to talk to us over the next several weeks by the way we live vertically is through worship. The way we begin to get that, that beautiful picture that God intends for our lives is through worship. Now, I don't want to take a lot of time here to break down these 26 verses that we read. I just wanted to get to this, these, these verses here that the hour is coming and the hour now is that the true worshipers will worship the Father, verse 23, in spirit and in truth. Why? I love this last part. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. This conversation, and I kid you not, is probably one of the strangest ones you'll ever read that Jesus has. Jesus here begins to have a conversation with a Samaritan woman who, who most Jews don't have dealings with. They actually look down on the Samaritans. They, they weren't even really supposed to be talking with them. And in this conversation, I love it because Jesus shows us both a seeker-sensitive church, come on somebody, and the charismatic church in these 26 verses. He kind of just, you know, delicately weaves his way in. Hey, give me something to drink. I'm not supposed to do that. You're right. You should ask me, right? 
And then there's this whole conversation going, and it's nice, and it's delicate. And, and, he's, and, and he, he takes to this place, and he's like, he knows. He's, he's, he's God incarnate in the earth. Hey, go grab your husband. He just set this up, right? <laughs> and she's like, actually, I don't have one. And then he gets charismatic on her. You're right. You've had five, girl. You should have stopped at four so the fourth could be with you. But no, you got that, the fourth be with you. Just had to throw it out there. And he starts prophesying to her. He like weaves his way in and sucks her in and he's like, bam, hits her. But notice what takes place in this conversation. The conversation moves from horizontal to vertical. Jesus begins to take this woman out of horizontal living, talking about her stuff, talking about her issues, because apparently she has some. There's a common denominator <laughs> with all six of the men. You, right? And he begins to take the conversation from horizontal and begins to now direct it towards worship. Okay? And it's in this context of this scripture, the strangest conversation, that, that we begin to see what true worship is. That the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It's not just one or the other. Okay? And let me just spend some time here. Spirit and truth. Spirit is the, is the part where it's the faith part. It's the part where, where my spirit is connecting to God no matter what my flesh feels like. No matter what circumstance and obstacles. The, the spirit part is this. I see in scripture that God is good. I, I've heard other people talk about it. I see, and so now I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to connect with him in worship. Okay? Now, in just a minute, we're going to see that worship, because the minute you talk about worship, what do you think about? You think about this, right? And you think about a band, and you think about the songs, and man, that was worship. That's a part of it, and we're going to talk about that this month. But there's this part of us that connects with him in spirit, but he says not just in spirit, but in truth. Where spirit is the faith element, the actual word is pneuma, breath of God, the God-breathed part. That, 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 that faith that says with God all things are possible. Then he says, but also in truth. That word truth is that which is true, verifiable by experience. So no longer are we just going to worship because we've heard about Jesus. But we're going to actually worship based on the truth because we've experienced Jesus. That the worship that I bring to him is in spirit and in truth. It is, yes, I read about it, and sometimes I'm faithing it, and I'm stepping in. Oh, man, I feel the presence of God. That feels good. But he says, no, it's got to go deeper. Than that. How many of you guys have actually experienced me in your life? Spirit and in truth. And this is vitally important to understand because if you go back to the Old Testament, there was a time when the children of Israel were coming out of, out of Egypt, headed to the promised land, when their leader, Moses, disappeared on a mountain for a little while. Y'all heard this story before. And he's gone, and the people begin to get restless. And they begin to think, Moses is dead. Man, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. And they go to Aaron. They say, Aaron, you need to make for us a god. Aaron says, bring me your gold. 
right? You know, y'all heard this story? And the Bible says they melted down all the gold and they created this golden calf. And he set it before the people. And this is what they begin to worship. And they begin to worship this golden calf. And this is what they begin to say. Behold the God that has brought us up out of Egypt. This little baby gold calf. They had the right words. Maybe caught up in the spirit, but they had the wrong truth. They had the wrong image. They were speaking the right words. Behold the one, but they were looking at a golden calf. And so when Jesus says, hey, you're going to worship in spirit and in truth, he is saying not only is it going to be this faith element, you read the stories, children of Israel came out of, out of Egypt, really awesome story, but you are going to know me intimately. You're going to experience who I am in your life. Therefore, you'll never get that part wrong again. The hour is coming and now is where the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Worship. I love what he says here. He says, listen, because she asks about the place of worship. And he makes this statement. He says, listen, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. It's not about here. And it's not even about how, but it's about whom. It's no longer about this place. And it's not even about bowing, kneeling, raising, singing. No, that can play into it, but it's not about that. It's not about where, and it's not about how, but it's about who you worship. And therefore, worship, ladies and gentlemen, can take place all the time. Because worship is about an attitude, not about a practice. It's about an attitude, not about a practice. Worship is a way of life. It is a covenantal way of living. Worship is about your life devoted to him completely and entirely. Now we're going to talk about this aspect of it because man, music and songs, man, it's a powerful part of the puzzle. And we're, it, you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interactive. How many guys like interactive? A few of you. How many guys hate interactive? It's going to be fun. You don't want to miss it. But it's about an attitude. Okay, let me break it down to you this way, okay? Because being in a relationship with your Heavenly Father is a very intimate, real relationship. It's awesome. Okay? It's covenantal. Okay? You're bound with Him. It's awesome experience. Okay? But see, in, in the past, when people would talk to me about worship, I would miss this part because worship was really defined about singing and, and, you know, and, you know, words and music and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, well, how do I do that all the time? I mean, how does that happen all the time? I mean, I, I want to witness to others, but I don't want to be dancing down the aisles of a supermarket singing, right? My Redeemer lives, where's the mail? My Redeemer, you know? Because honestly, I'll be honest with you, that freaks people out. That doesn't bring anybody in. Are you with me? That's not like people are looking like, oh, I want to know what you know, and I want to have what you have. No, they're like, dude, uh, there's a freak in aisle seven looking for mail, right? 
And so this is the thought of worship, me, me when I was growing up, and I thought to myself, how does, how does that happen? I mean, how do I do that all the time? I mean, I'm, when I'm driving, I need my hands on 10 and 2, and I've got to have both hands on the, I mean, can you see somebody driving down the road? Right? I've seen it. It's scary. Right? I mean, I know some people are good with their knee, but come on now. Right? And so I thought to myself, what, 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 what are we doing here? And here's something we need to understand, okay? Worship totally devoted to God. That doesn't mean that every minute of the day you are walking around with praise and glory on your lips, right? Because really, who does that? Maybe Jonathan, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I don't do that. <gasps> You're the pastor, I know. Sometimes I yell at the nail when it doesn't go in. How does that glorify God? Well, I didn't cuss. Are you happy? At least not verbally. I may have in my mind. I don't know. But how, do, how does this work? Right? Well, let me, let me describe it to you this way. And for those of you that are married, this will make sense, hopefully. And for those of you that want to get married, just take notes, okay? Listen, I love my wife. We are, we are in a relationship, a covenantal marriage. There's a ring on my finger. There's a ring on her finger. And, man, I love her all the time. And guess what? We're married all the time. Even right now, she's over there teaching kids. I'm here. We're not in the same room. We're still married. My love for her and my devotion for her has not changed because she's over there and I'm here. I am completely devoted to her. Okay? And if I'm walking and another woman walks by, I don't lose my devotion. Okay? I'm madly in love with my wife. We're, we're committed. Even on the days I'm not madly in love with my wife. Come on, married people. You know what I'm talking about. Okay? Even on those days where I don't want to, I look at that and I say, I have to. Come on, let's be real. Okay? And I'm still committed to her. I'm still devoted to her. But see, for me to say, I mean, for me to say that, hey, you just need to be continually praised on your lips all the time, worshiping God 24-7, even when you wake up and the first thing out of your mouth, when you're walking down the supermarket, when you're like, ah! Okay, our, if I was, like, passionately intimate like that with my wife all the time, that would be weird. Painful and gross to society. Did somebody catch what I'm saying? Just because, you know, she's not in the same room with me, doesn't mean, oh, she's out of, oh my, okay to you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm married, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm connected, I love her. Why? Because it's about my heart. The same thing with God. I can be continually devoted, sold out to God without always smiling and saying, praise God, brother. Life hurts. Life sucks sometimes. But that doesn't mean I'm not fully devoted to God. Good teaching. Thank you. All right. It's only 11.05. I saw some people leave a little while ago. I'm like, uh, I've been going that long. Vertical living, let me give this to you real quick. Vertical living, a life of worship. I'll give you three things real quickly. 
Let me just read this out of the Message Bible. Romans 2, I'm sorry, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I love the way this reads. So here's what I want you to do, Canvas Church. That part actually isn't in the message, but whatever. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Vertical living. First thing you gotta understand is this, is what is worship? What is worship? Every nation, every culture worships something. It may not always be God or it may be a different God, but we are created with this desire and this design to worship. Sometimes we worship money. Sometimes we worship success. Sometimes we worship ourselves. Sometimes we worship other people or things, but we are designed with this ability and this desire to worship. As Christians, it's more than music, although we're going to get there and it's going to be awesome. True worship is motivated by gratitude. In other words, I see who God is and how amazing he is. Not just what he's done for me, but just simply. Listen, when I first met my wife, she had done nothing for me other than create some butterflies right here. But man, there was this, she's awesome. She's amazing. What's her name? I don't know yet. This gratitude, God, you are awesome. You're amazing. You're wonderful. It's motivated out of gratitude. It's, it's, it's an act of your will. Just like on those days sometimes when I love my wife but not really. It's an act of my will. Worship is an act of your will choosing. Worship is a costly sacrifice. I love David in the Old Testament when he makes this statement, I will not sacrifice that which costs me nothing. Because that's not true worship. Worship is a costly sacrifice. Let me give you a definition of worship. Worship, to express by attitude and possibly by position one's allegiance to and regard for deity. Here's a definition I wrote for us. Whatever has been elevated to occupy the highest level of importance in your life, whatever it is, that it is your, your driving force in making decisions, building relationships, guiding your life's steps, that's what you worship. And this should be God. So you can just get that definition for the context of the rest of this series throughout the month. That's worship. So we see what worship is. It's, it's more than music. It's more than songs. It's more than a beautiful piano or a guitar playing. It's an attitude. And it's solely devoted to him all the time. Next thing for vertical living, a life of worship, that we need to understand is why should we worship? Why should we worship? 
beyond every person containing this deep desire to worship something, someone, or something beyond themselves, here's why we should worship. It puts things into proper perspective. It puts things into proper perspective. You realize in those moments of worship how awesome he is and how little your circumstances are. And when you get that perspective, all of a sudden faith rises up and you can bust right through those circumstances. I I love the old song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Y'all remember that one? Anybody remember that one? Okay. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It puts things in proper perspective. When you begin to live vertical and you begin to focus on him, the things of earth really do. It's not just a song. It's the truth. When you begin to focus on him in worship, it puts things into proper perspective. It gives God what is rightfully his. Look at John chapter 4 again. Jesus is beginning to position things. He says, look, it's not about the place. It's not about the how. It's about the, the me. And it's about me. It's about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit getting what is rightfully theirs. Worship. It belongs to God. And what's so cool about this, if we begin to focus on God and give God what's rightfully his, I love this verse, this last part of verse 23. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. If worship is me seeking after God, devoted to him with everything, we could say it this way. When we seek God, we get sought out by God. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. What is worship? It's devoted to him. It's me seeking God. And in that process, the coolest thing happens. He turns and he begins to seek after me. In worship, we are seeking to be sought. The worship that takes our life devoted to him makes us attractive to God. For the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole entire earth, looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him. Where's the word? And he finds and he begins to seek after those that are seeking after him. Really what, what, what it does is it makes, it's literally like this. If you could look back to those days, come on guys, when you were trying to make yourself attractive for who now is your wife. Okay? Come on, let's be honest. You wore more cologne than you should have. And probably Old Spice, right? <laughs> You, you, made, you made sure you, you dressed a little nicer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know we all like to think that we're studs and we just rolled into town and, come here, baby. But if you ask for her story, it was completely different. I didn't even like him at first. I thought he was ugly. ha. <laughs> All the ladies are laughing right now. Stop sharing our secrets. Stop telling them. I tell him he's handsome all the time. He is now because love is blind, right? So, but you remember back to that moment and you begin to dress a little nicer, splash on some cologne, okay? (laughs) Put on some spanks. Come on, somebody. (laughs) You got fit all of a sudden, I know. $29.99 spanks, right? Come on, somebody. 
no guy is going to admit to that, but you wanted to make yourself like, wow. What were you doing? You were making yourself attractive to her. So she would begin to notice you. Worship does the same thing. When we begin to worship God, when we begin to live a life devoted to him solely, it begins to make us attractive. And he begins to seek. This is so good. Amen, Pastor Van. I like this message. All right. It's kind of like, um, you, you know, you go to the beach in the summertime, and the people that are jogging on the beach, have you actually ever seen anybody that needs to be jogging on the beach? No. Everybody that's jogging on the beach is already ripped. Right? They got a six-pack, and they, like, run like permaplex, you know? They, like, and then before, they probably, that's not sweat, that's oil, ladies and gentlemen. I saw when they started the run. It was two seconds ago. They ain't sweat. They were lathering up with some oil, and then they're like, and then they're like running. And they have such perfect form. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, we're in San Diego. You go to the beach, and they're running with perfect form. They're like prancing through the sand. I was like, you don't even need to be running, dude. Knock it off. Baby, close your eyes. Don't look at that. Ungodly person running across the beach right now. Put some clothes on, buddy. Right? What are they doing? They're showing off. They made themselves look attractive to run on the beach, to get noticed. Kind of like worship. <laughs> I see you out there worshiping permaflex. <laughs> worship makes you attractive to God. Last thing, we give it to Steve and we're done. Vertical living, a life of worship. Lastly, we need to understand what are the results of our worship. We see what worship is. We see some good reasons too. What are some of the results of worship? Psalm 22.3. For you, God, are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. We could read it this way. God, you are holy, and you abide in the praises of your people. That word enthroned means to abide, remain, or to marry. So when we begin to worship, we are literally creating a throne for God to come and sit on. You are wholly enthroned in the praises of your people. And so when we begin to live a life solely devoted to him, a life that, that, that is really worship, we are creating a throne for him to come and inhabit. But he doesn't just come, he remains. He's enthroned there, and he's married to us there in that point of worship. I, I love, I love what, what James 4.8 says. It says, you draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
That is not just momentary drawings close to God, although that works. It is literally a life that is continually being drawn closer to God. And as you get closer to God, he now begins to reciprocate and he begins to draw closer to you. But I love this about God because last time I checked, God is really big. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. That's a really big God, ladies and gentlemen. So you begin to draw near to God and your step, but then all of a sudden he begins to draw near to you and it's like, boom, and he makes a really, really giant step because of worship. I like to think of it this way. Prayer is such an essential and important part of our life as Christians. And you might be sitting out there today and you say, well, I'm just checking church out. I'm not really a Christian. But you can be. How? Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. But I, I don't really understand this worship thing. Listen to me. I don't believe that. Every culture understands worship. They understand the definition of solely being devoted to something, and it might be the wrong thing. But if you begin to turn your eyes upon Jesus, and you begin to solely devote to him, Watch your life begin to get transformed. Prayer is an essential part, but I look at it this way, where prayer brings your request and petition to God. Worship brings God to your request and your petition. Because in worship, I'm drawing near to him. And in turn, he begins to draw near to me. When I worship, I begin to create a throne for him to come and sit in. So right in the middle of whatever I'm walking through, right in the middle of whatever's on the horizon, I begin to live vertical and God begins to come. And now the things of earth begin to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you for the conversation, the strange conversation that you had with a Samaritan woman. That we could read about it today and maybe not even fully grasp it or understand it, but the fact that you stopped and had that conversation led us to this place of worship. How we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.